You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games, come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. This is episode number 31. I am your host, Nick Howell. With me, as always, for the 31st time, Mr. Ah. Andy Nelson. Yeah, we made it a full month as far as a calendar would go, right? Um, so episode <laughs> 31, normally I do like a number 31, and I could give you a, a slew of hockey goalies that were great number 31s. Sure. Because they're all number 31. But I will take a step back and get out of the sports world this week, because next week's going to be a big one for number Uh-oh. 32. Uh, I will tell you that my favorite number 31 is Baskin Robbins for their 31 flavors. Wow, right? nice. Right? The original like yes. ice cream chain. And like I was, before they had all that chocolate yeah, be- chip cookie dough before there, crap. Before right? there was Ben and Jerry's, there was Baskin Robbins. And I will never forget, I could drive to the place right now in South Bend, Indiana, where we would go after soccer games, after baseball games, after whatever, and, and we would go to Baskin Robbins, and you would see that like vault of all the different ice creams in there, and it was like this magical thing for a kid, right? And and you know what my favorite flavor was? It was a thing called Chocolate Moose Royale. So it was a chocolate ice cream, and it had little chocolate shavings in it. And I will give that ice cream, which doesn't go well with this, with beer, but anyways, let's give ice cream a Stone Cold Salute! I said give me a hell yeah! Hmm. Wow. So, Stone Cold Salute, right? This yep. weekend was WrestleMania. We talked about that. We're not going to get in-depth into the wrestling and all that stuff that happened. We sort of strayed away from that. But I will tell you this. There was a passing of the torch in that uh, WrestleMania. We think we saw the last match of The Undertaker, right? So, there's a passing of the torch from The Undertaker to the New Blood. Uh, for me personally, there was a bit of a passing of the torch to my almost eight-year-old daughter. Oh, really? Yeah, so she's been watching it with me on Mondays and Tuesdays and watching the SmackDown stuff. Now, you know they've done a very good job with the women's division. They're not just arm candy anymore, and they don't, like, bend over and show body parts. And it, they, they actually wrestle now. Yeah. And it's fun to watch my daughter sort of look at this and get excited about it and, and sort of look up to these people, good or bad. And, you know, she'll do their poses in the room, and she likes certain ones based on the, the outfits that they wear. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so Sunday, we sat down and we watched the five and a half hour show. She watched it from start to finish, every single match, and she was riveted by it. And instead of me like looking at the show and being like, oh, I wish you would have done this with that character, I was like, to me, it was much more exciting to watch it with her and just see her like start to get into this sort of thing. And it's wow. a simple, like, yeah, it was so cool. So uh, I was really excited that uh, WrestleMania was, was a way different experience for me uh, because I remember the first one 33 years ago. And now uh, in my family, it's now come full circle and it's really cool. I don't even think I watched the first one. I think three was the first one I ever actually saw yeah. of WrestleMania, but I've gone back and watched the other ones. Anyway, there was a great article that came out this week as well where uh, it was, uh, I think it was on ESPN or SB Nation or something where uh, a woman wrote a, a great oh, I article read that. I read that. about uh, she had never seen wrestling before in any way, shape, or form, but sat down and watched WrestleMania and absolutely loved it. Yeah. 
And I was like, yes! Yeah. This is what we've been trying to tell everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Give it a shot. It's, it's not stupid. It's not just the sport of the poor and ignorant. It is an actual fun time. It's, oh, it's, it's a blast. It's, it's a soap opera. But yeah, what about you this week? What happened? Oh, man. So uh, lots of great things. Um, but first and foremost, something exciting happened uh, today, actually, on Twitter. So the new Body Count album came out. I know we don't talk about music on this show uh, a lot. but Body Count is who again? Body Count is a band by famed rapper Ice-T. You may know him from his time on Law & Order SVU. <laughs> yeah. But at one time, he was the OG original gangster rapper uh, from South Central, from yeah. Compton, right? Yeah. Uh, he he kind of kicked off that whole gangster rap thing that happened in the 80s. Well, in the 90s, early 90s, there was if, if you're old enough to remember, there was a lot of controversy around a song called Cop Killer mm-hmm. uh, that they put on their first Body Count album. Yeah. And mind you, body count is not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of swearing, gratuitous languages, stuff like that. So it is extreme. I would put it as an X rating. It is that okay. you know, extreme. Uh, not X, but NC-17 or whatever you go. It's higher than R. Yeah, I won't, I, won't, I won't pass that torch. Uh, yeah, no, don't pass that one. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, the, and body count came out with their, I believe it was their third studio album this week or last week. Yep. And I finally got around to listening to it. And I decided, hey. Ice-T is very active on Twitter. I'm going to go give them a live review of the new Body Count album, Bloodlust, on Twitter. And I'm going to go song by song and type out one tweet for what I think about each one of them. Uh, well, turns out he was watching. Uh, and uh, so they were. he was basically liking all of the tweets song by song as Wait, I put them Wait, the actual up. guy? Ice-T himself on cool. Twitter. All right. And then after that, after I got through all 12 songs on the album, we had a short conversation back and forth about discrimination, li- no lives matter, black lives matter, all that stuff, uh, living life in Los Angeles, how people don't understand what life is like in South Central. What most people don't know is that I've been driving Lyft for the last month or so, and a lot of times you do end up down in those areas that we just don't voluntarily go to. Yeah. And it's it's kind of it's both horrifying and sad when you when you get taken down into those areas. So anyway, he reflects on a lot of that in these songs and the lifestyle that they lead led or even lead today in South Central Los Angeles. And it's it's man, that guy's a poet. He wow. really really is. I mean, going all the way back 30 years to his original works uh, of gangster rap, he's been talking about this stuff now for the better part of Four decades. Okay. Right? So, yeah. I mean, it's and it's not anything new. This whole Black Lives Matter thing that sprung up. Well, I mean, Ice-T was doing that shit in the early 80s. Yeah. So, I, I, listen, Body Count's a great album. If you like hard rock and metal, the grooves, the instrumentation of all of it is fantastic. And it has the added bonus of Ice-T being the lyrical poet that he is, writing some fantastic songs to complement the music. I didn't expect you to tell me that story, to be honest with you. When it, uh, you know, and I would say, that's brisk, baby, because he's iced tea, but that's a different iced tea. Uh, okay. And, uh, whatever. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, I wanted to go over a couple of feedback items that we've gotten from the from the fans. All right. Um, so, guys, on the iTunes store, we would love for you to leave a review. Um, let us know what you think about the show, but just wanted to highlight a couple that have come out. Uh, this one is from The Jeffer. Ooh. Uh, hi, Mr. The Jeffer. <laughs> uh, I love the concession stand. Nick and Andy come across as intelligent guys who have an appreciation of all things nerd. Their analysis on a variety of topics and their humor make it a very easy podcast to listen to during my daily commute Give them a listen. All right. Thank you, The Jeffer. Thanks, I really the appreciate Jeffer. that. Uh, the other one I wanted to read here is uh, from Enzo1330. This is an awesome show. Nick and Andy are awesome guys. They're very entertaining and knowledgeable. Keep up the great work. Hey, thanks, Enzo. Yeah. Any bad feedback? Uh, just that one guy, Nick, 
said, thanks for all the great feet. No, never mind. <laughs> um, nice. No, uh, so I, you know, you, you guys might have noticed that we haven't been talking about WWE for some time on the show, and you might have noticed over the last week or two that we're trimming down the tech that we're talking to. And I, I wanted to take a minute or two to describe or, so that all the listeners understand what's going on. Uh, look, we're, the original goal of Orbital Jigsaw as a whole was to build a network of shows, a variety of shows that spanned multiple topics. The concession stand was a sort of flagship variety show in, its, in and of itself that kind of got us started on each of those categories. So what we're working on now is we're, we found hosts for a new standalone WWE show. It's going to be completely dedicated to wrestling, hopefully turn into a weekly show all in itself, and that's the one we're going to get off the ground next. So we've taken WWE out of concession stand, splitting it off into its own show. Right now, we're working on doing the exact same thing with tech. We think it is, it is ripe for being its own show as well. Yeah. And we want to take some of that content out and move it over there. This gets us back to a really sweet spot with the concession stand that's kind of brand compliant where we're focusing on video games and especially TV and movies, yep. which you know the, the logo and the brand and the title all suggest that we do so. Plus, it gives us a lot more time to talk about those two topics in particular. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that we won't mention the occasional tech thing, like there's going to be a new iPhone coming out. Yeah, and yeah we're going to have an opinion on that, and uh, we might have an opinion, like I just talked about wrestling in, in simple forms of WrestleMania. So it doesn't mean these things are going to go away. However, we're working on it. It's not. It, it's coming soon. We have to We have to sort of fine-tune all of those things, and, and we're excited for you to hear some of those. Now, new hosts, it might not be me, it might not be Nick, but they're going to be people you really like. Oh, yes. Uh, that's the part we're taking some really extra time to fine-tune, make sure we get exactly the right people and i gotta tell you i think we found them all right guys so just wanted to give you guys a quick update on that uh so there wasn't any questions you know we've gotten a little bit of feedback about whether or not tech would wwe where they were going to go but that's that and with that said let's go straight into some video games so I've noticed uh, the point-and-click games from the 80s and 90s. Now, do you remember the like the original games where you would see like a, a side-scrolling sprite, and then at the bottom, like in the left, usually usually was on a PC, right? Yeah, it was, it was those old like, like IBM. Right, like you'd go yeah. to a door and it'd be like where use, and like you'd click on a word of like a verb. <laughs> it would tell you. We well, didn't click. You like the old school ones. You had to type it oh, out. Oh yeah, right? that's right. You had to like do commands. And use stuff. key, you know, stuff like that. And, and talking about games like Space Quest. Me- remember Space Quest? <laughs> yeah, or me- Kings me- Quest. Or- Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah. <laughs> that was a dirty game for, yeah. for us teenagers back oh, then. Would loved it, My though. favorite of all of those though was probably Mist. But did that have like a that didn't have a uh, like a like a verb thing, but it was still No, a, there, were, there was no verb usage. It was all mouse control. Right. There was almost no keyboard controls at all. Yeah. I and it was that. all dialogue driven with it was kind of the first one of the first games we had in game video to. Yep. And it was all driven by your mouse cursor moving a certain direction. But that was one of the first like games on a computer that I really, really got hooked on. So there's this game called uh, Thimbleweed Park that was that came out via a Kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. and is now available uh, from what you say on uh, Xbox for twenty dollars. Yeah, to nineteen ninety nine. I did pick it up. Have not played it yet. The kids are on spring break this week, so not a lot of video gaming and movies <laughs> uh, other than watching Barbie Video Game Hero about fifteen times this week so far. But uh, yeah. Uh, it it has that sort of like it has that sort of like eight bit look to it, yeah. Um, and it's it, the the two. It, it looks like two like private eyes. I've just watched the trailer for it. Uh, they look very much like Mulder and Scully from X Files. So nice. I, I feel like there's going to be a sort of like a solving uh, mystery kind of thing. I've heard it's very dark, and I heard it goes uh, pretty pretty 
you know, strange and, uh, but, uh, it, it it's, uh, but it brings b- the verbs back. It yes, brings your item yes, management, yes, and all that stuff. Like yeah. in, in the old school way. So if, if you liked those games in the past, uh, which I did, I know you did, uh, it might be worth a look. And after I play it, maybe next week or after two weeks, I'll let you know what I really think of it. But, uh, for 20 bucks, indie game Kickstarter thing. I'm all for it. Yeah, no kidding. I'll I'll definitely be checking that one out because I love stuff like that and supporting independent developers as well, yep. uh, getting them some cash uh, for for their efforts. Hey, uh, speaking of Xbox, Microsoft uh, Project Scorpio is really starting to take shape. We're starting to get some in, inner workings of what that's going to look like. Some of the games that are going to be uh, coming out, either native in 4K or the ability to upscale to 4K. Uh, what are your thoughts on? You're more of the Xbox guy than I am. I'm yeah. very. I'm PS4. Yep. <laughs> so, I'm Mac. Your PC. I'm yeah. PS4. Your Xbox. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Project Scorpio sounds like uh, uh, the villain from The Simpsons that was like a Bond villain, but it's not. So it's the next <laughs> iteration of the Xbox, which apparently is coming out this fall. We'll probably hear something about it at E3 in a couple of months. Oh yeah. Um, this is a high end Xbox with some sort of crazy graphical power, and it's got some six teraflops of I don't know. There were rumors that it was going to be upgradable like a uh, PC tower and you could add more memory to it. Ooh. However, Phil Spector, I believe, came out this week and said that it's not going to be like that. I mean, we'll we'll know, but they already did the X- Xbox One S, which is their 4K thing, um, but I guess this one's even more powerful. So is it a new console? Not necessarily, but it's coming, and uh, they're talking about Forza 7 is going to look awesome in it. Star Wars Battlefront 2 is going to look awesome in it. Red Dead Redemption 2, when it comes out later this year, maybe, is going to look awesome in it. Um, but what's the gimmick? Because Scorpio's not going to be out by the time Red Dead Redemption 2 comes out. They're saying it's a fall release, is what they're saying now. But again, we don't know that. That's what it's always been said, and we'll find out more, like I said, at E3. So a bigger, more powerful Xbox, if you were thinking about getting an Xbox One S like this summer, might want to hold off. I mean, maybe we'll see what this is. I don't know if it's going to be the Xbox Elite, uh, if you will, of the Xbox systems. Like, we had that a couple years ago. Remember when they did the black Xbox? That was the better one, and it was a little bit more and had more memory. Um, maybe that's what they're trying to do here. We'll see. Um, the other thing that's happening is uh, is on the Xbox side, um, IDW Publishing, it's a comic book company, um, not a lot of big titles that you would recognize, but there's a bunch of free comics and there's a comic app coming to your Xbox. Yes. Uh, like comic I, book comics. Yes. Like you can com- read digital comics on your Xbox. Sure. And, and they have, they have a, you know, you, uh, uh, they have that comiXology app on your iPad right. that you're able to scroll through and read like a comic. Like and that's the perfect size for it, you know, in a tablet form, yeah. but maybe you don't have one of those. Maybe you want to read comics and it'll go swipe from panel to panel rather than like big screen, sort of like see everything on a page and you kind of watch it and swipe between panels like you would if you were watching a movie. So, this might be the first thing. If IDW gets into this, who's to say that DC or Marvel won't get into this? So if you want to read your comics on your TV screen, sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah, me too. And uh, speaking of comics, Overwatch, Blizzard came out with a new Overwatch comic this week. I saw week. that. I saw that. And I got to tell you, man, the art looks fantastic. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's great. The stories are really compelling. And one of the things that Overwatch has been missing over the last year of its life is uh, some background stories. So what they're doing is trying to bridge... Uh, some of the gaps with the background story of each of the characters. Yeah. So they had one a month or two ago when they released Bastion. Mm-hmm. Uh, or was it, uh, I think it was BlizzCon last year when yeah. they released Bastion. Uh, so November time frame. But anyway, they had a complimentary comic 
that told his story and it had Torbjorn in it mm-hmm. and a couple of the other characters. They've, well, had this, a, they've had a couple of those animated little movies that they've done, yeah. but, it, but to put one of those together for all, that's just too much work. Well, this is above and beyond. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're planning to do one of these for each of the characters, all cool. 25 characters that cool. are out now. Uh, they did do a video for Sombra mm-hmm. and they had a video for Arisa, the newest uh, tank character that came out. Is that out? Uh, Arisa is available oh, now. Okay. Yeah, playable. Oh. Really fun. It's Probably a lot should of go fun. play that game. And you're like, <laughs> yes, you should. Yes, you should. Um, all of you should because it's amazing. Uh, this comic in particular is about Tracer, one of the original characters that was in uh, that came out with the launch title. So it basically has Soldier seventy six. It has Reaper and yeah. all of these other various characters walking through the evolution of Tracer and how she got to be this elite member of the Overwatch. Tracer's team. kind of the face of the game. I mean, that's yeah. that's the one that's on the video game box art, and most yeah. of the posters really feature her prominently. But yeah. She's a cool character. When I got to go to Blizzard last fall uh, and do the the tour, the walkthrough, yeah, uh, they have a giant statue of her. No kidding. Yeah, and it was a BlizzCon too. So I mean, it's it's awesome uh, how much Tracer just permeates through that game. You know what else is awesome? While we play video games and we love them and we do a lot of great things as far as us and our accomplishments in video games, it turns out that uh, there's a there's an organization um, called the Gamers Outreach Foundation. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this? And it's all about gamers giving back. So uh, this this organization tries to put uh, video games in children's hospitals, right? I think, yeah. Yeah, this this goes on uh, once a year. It's been going on for a couple years now, but basically the idea is they call them go karts, and it's a specialized hospital cart that uses you know sterile components or whatever it is. But it's essentially an Xbox console with a flat screen monitor and a couple of um, what do you call them joysticks? Controllers, yeah, controllers. And you can wheel it into a hospital room so that someone in a hospital bed could play it. Why would they do this? Well, there's a lot of kids that are hospitalized, whether it's cancer, leukemia, anything along those lines, that can't leave their rooms while they're being treated. And this is a way that gamers worldwide, this is a worldwide phenomenon that's been happening, uh, are getting together for these live events where they will live stream them playing all kinds of games and people live streaming have the ability to donate to uh, or them w- watching the stream simply begets advertising revenue and all sure. of that sort of stuff, right? So this is a way for them to raise money, and they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to create these go-karts for various hospitals. And I heard something that uh, there's now over 100 of these go-karts uh, in 19 different hospitals across the U.S. That's great. And uh, each of them costs about $3,500 to put together because of the specialized materials. Yeah. That's required. I mean, what a what a great way for gamers to uh, to contribute. Uh, if you're interested in, in contributing to this as well, you can donate at gamersoutreach.org. Check out that site. Uh, you can simply make a donation. You can participate in their live events and their streams. Uh, but all of their information is there on that website. It's gamersoutreach.org. Be sure and check that one out. Yeah, if you like kids and you like helping kids, and yeah. who doesn't? Um, go ahead and do this. Skip your $5 Starbucks coffee in the morning and put your five bucks towards that. Um, I know for a fact that our, our friend tenacious cleat, uh, one of our streamers on the orbital jigsaw site, he does a thing every year where he does a 24 hour stream. This is, this is not gamers outreach, but just other things that, that gamers do to try and help out kids. Uh, there, he does a 24 hour uh, stream and, and his, uh, uh, charity of choice is a Riley's Children's Hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana, awesome. uh, which is where my brother was born. So um, uh, every year when he does that, you know, I, I chip in and I jump in and yeah. So if, whether or not you have money to give to any sort of charitable cause, go ahead and do that. If you're a gamer and you want to give games to kids, here's a cause that should speak to pretty much everybody that listens to this show. Do what you can. Absolutely. All right. Hey, speaking of kids, uh, a Google study came out this week. A Google study, not some 
BS thing. It's Google revealed which games and console that the Gen Z teens prefer. Gen so what Z are, being Gen Z 13 is what? to 19? 13 to 17, right? Is, okay, 13 to 17. Because once right. you hit 18, you're in the new demographic. Okay, right, go right, for right, it. Right. What do you got? Uh, it looks like a list from 2008. Okay. It's Legend of Zelda, yep. Call of Duty Black Ops, and Counter-Strike Go. Those are their favorite games? Those are their favorite games. Those were kind of the same favorite games that were going on in the late 2000s. Sure. So here we are 10 years later, and the next generation is still playing the same games? Yeah. That's a little weird to what me. What about the uh, the streaming stuff? That's What what do we got there? It was like YouTube, I think I read, and like Spotify, like their top five things used by 13 to 17-year-olds. Yeah, or- top five, I guess it was ways to consume content. Yeah. Didn't really surprise us. It didn't really say DirecTV or Charter Cable. It said YouTube, Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu. Yeah. And wow. Okay. So that's very telling. We've talked about streaming and and a lot of that stuff on this show quite a bit. But there you go. Gen Z, your current teenagers, that's where they're consuming content, the top four. And when those people turn 18 and, and get into that most coveted, for advertisers, uh, target demographic of 18 to 34-year-olds, what are they doing? They're doing all of those things. Hulu, Amazon, all of that, right? So it seems to me that there's the future. If those people, once they start getting jobs and getting money, are going to start spending stuff on the stuff that they're already spending money on now or their parents are for them, and they're also spending money on their TV and movies. Well, speaking of streaming, we got to talk about Netflix because there was some big news that came out this week. Um, there's a new series that's coming out called Final Fantasy XIV Daddy of Light. That doesn't sound very Final I, Fantasy. I, 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 maybe it's lost in translation for Daddy? a little but there's just Final Fantasy and then Daddy in the same Daddy title? Daddy of Light? What? <laughs> come on. Okay, so... They have characters like Sephiroth and like... like come on. Right, exactly. Final you, Fantasy fifteen, Daddy's home. Yeah. Like, it's, whatever. <laughs> no, it's Mommy of Darkness. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's going to have a worldwide premiere on Netflix this fall. Is it an animated thing? Uh, I, I'm assuming it is, since it's Final Fantasy. I don't think they've done a live action Final Fantasy thing yet. Good so, point. Um, Good point. Uh, some background here: Netflix only debuted in Japan as recently as 2015. They oh. haven't even had Netflix there for 22 years, but. Um, they quickly found success with a series that was called Terrace House, which was a kind of reality show that was set in Hawaii. So there, this is kind of their first attempt at an animated series. Is it an animated like reality series? It's not a reality. Okay. Uh, not, uh, Terrace House is a, is a is a series, but I think Final Fantasy is definitely an animated series. Okay. Uh, that we're going to get later this fall. Are they uh, doing a Terrace House U.S. version? Is that what you're saying? No, no. Terrace House was the was the show that one of the first ones that was successful in Netflix Japan. Ah, got it. Uh, speaking of animation, there's a new animated film also coming to Netflix called America, the Motion Picture. <laughs> okay. Star Trek, huh? the Motion Picture. America, the Motion Picture. Right, whatever. Oh, and here you go. It's starring Channing Tatum. As a voice? As, as oh, a, I guess as, it would have to be. As an George Washington. Oh, cool. All right. Fine. <laughs> I'm into that. Whatever. Wait, it, but wait, there's more. This is an R-rated revisionist history of the founding of our country. Starring Perfect. Channing Tatum Perfect. as George Washington. All right, yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, I am dying to see what this is. I am holding no expectations of what it will be, but uh, it, it sounds amazing. We've in, talked we've in talked, the worst way. Yeah, we talked at length about uh, Netflix getting into the stand-up comedy game. Now they're starting to do the animated stuff. You just talked about Final Fantasy. We just talked about this Channing Tatum thing. We talked about that Godzilla anime they've got right. coming. Uh, they're definitely getting into the reality game. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna take every single genre. And they're gonna make it their own. Watch out for the old Netflix guys, and watch out for 
Batgirl. <laughs> yeah. So Joss Whedon is going to is going to direct a Batgirl movie for the DC universe. So he's already done a Marvel movie and he's going to do DC. He's, he's like the he's like the JJ Abrams of the comic book world, right? He crosses universes. Mind maybe. blown. Yeah. Is, um, apparently, this is the original Batgirl story set in the nineteen sixty seven story. Okay. Um, it, the daughter of Barbara Gordon, the daughter of Commissioner Gordon, yeah, Barbara, Barbara Gordon. Sure. Um, so I'm Josh Whedon, Batgirl, the original story. Gordon's daughter. I, I'm in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's uh, that's one that. Well, let's see how the Wonder Woman movie takes to the audience, or let's see how the audience takes to the Wonder Woman movie. Uh, I guess before we start judging that kind of thing, but yeah. I think it's gonna Wonder Woman's gonna do Gangbusters, and I think Batgirl, which has never really gotten a, a film treatment. No, has it? We've no. gotten Catwoman. No, we've had uh, Eureka, uh, Electra, Electra from uh, Marvel. But yeah, uh, uh, but still, I mean, just I'm thinking of female comic. Roles. Uh, those are the only two, right? Yeah, but Batgirl is a really important character, and yes. her her if they if they keep this going into the somehow into the Justice League, I don't know what they're going to do with this sixty seven thing. Here is the thing: Joss Whedon is fantastic with strong female characters. He always has been. Uh, I just hope we don't get Batgirl the Vampire Slayer. Oh, but if we do, as far as that sort of style and like that kind of like his his reverence to that sort of uh, strong female character. Go for it. If, if they cast Sarah Michelle Geller, you would get no arguments from me. All right, moving on. Speaking of DC, uh, Jeff Johns <laughs> yes. spoke at WonderCon this week. I was right here in Anaheim, and I it didn't was. get to go. It was sold out. I wanted to take the girls on Saturday, but it was sold out. Uh, those are hard to get into. BlizzCon today actually sold out in under a minute. Wow. Uh, speaking of that, uh, he spoke at WonderCon today and said that the thing that the DC movies are missing are what he called the three H's, heart, humor, and heroics. And he attributed positively that the Marvel movies have pulled this off across the board, and yes. that is what has made them so popular, where the DC films have tried to stay more in a, you know, you could say it was a dark place or whatever adjective you want to use. Uh, and I'd agree with that for the most part. They've tried to be that kind of just gritty, dark realism, kind of dark world of superheroes, right? Quick backstory. People are probably saying, who the hell is Jeff Johns? Yes. Jeff Johns is arguably one of the best comic writers currently living that has done a huge amount of work as far as bringing the DC universe back into prominence. This guy was Richard Donner's assistant for a very long time. No kidding. Back in the, excuse me, in the early 90s. So um, he was a comic book fan growing up. He obviously loved uh, the Superman movies when he was a kid that Rick Donner did, or Dick Donner, whatever you want to call him. Um, and then transitioned into writing comics for DC. He uh, brought the flashback. Uh, he made the Flash relevant, um, and the reason there's a Flash show is probably because he made the Flash actually good again. He brought Hal Jordan back to life. He brought uh, uh, many of the big uh, tentpole stories that have happened over the years or always have his name on it. Uh, he's written Superman really well. Um, he's done a little bit with Batman, but now he is uh, transitioned into working for DC as the as the sort of like head of... I don't want to call it like character development, but, creative he, development. but he oversees all of these movies and TV shows, so... Yes, he's not the guy that's writing them, and he should be, in my opinion. So I hope that he will actually listen to his own thing and use his influence and his brain, which is fantastic when it comes to these characters, and make that come true. Yes, we absolutely need those three H's in the DC movies. Well, And he said that that's what the DC films need to focus on in order to turn the corner uh, to, to get past the reputation that they currently have. Yeah, so, maybe there should be a fourth H, Hugh, that would actually add some color to those movies. <laughs> 
I think that has more to do with Zack Snyder, but I digress. Fair enough. Moving on, Game of Thrones. <laughs> we of, got a new <laughs> teaser. Speaking of no color. Right. Speaking of gray, <laughs> whoever's color grading these things yeah. right now, is it must be the same guy. Uh, we got a new teaser for uh, for Game of Thrones. Yes. Uh, which we know by now is going to return on July 16th. Not soon enough. The teaser shows Cersei, Jon Snow, and Daenerys all marching toward the Iron Throne. But like a different version of Thrones, and they all kind of sit in it. Have you seen this thing? You, yes. You've seen it. Have, listeners, have you seen this? Are you as geeked out about this as we are? Because what could it be? And then we end with the, the White Walker shot, and it's like, oh, that's a perfect teaser. Why can't it be July? Oh, those pesky White Walkers. They just won't go away. I know. And again, I know we said it, but there's something really cool about this Game of Thrones season slash two seasons or whatever coming up is that nobody can spoil anything. You remember yes. like when we would watch the first couple and your buddy would be like, oh man, you're going to love this next episode. Like why? Well, I read the books. And there is no book. There yeah. is no <laughs> book. Shut up. Yeah. yeah. George R. R. Martin is still writing them. Uh, maybe. Who knows? But there is, there's no spoilers. There's right. no spoilers. We nobody don't know what's going to happen. It could go anywhere. And I can't wait. Weiss and Benioff and George R. R. Martin and arguably the directors of the episodes are about the only ones. Yeah, the I would, that were I would argue that they're probably, well, they've probably finished shooting by now, right? Well, the, this, uh, this, this season, season, yes. I don't know if they finished the seventh. Or what, this, is this, the, this is the seventh. This is the seventh. So the next eight, one will be eight. Eight, yeah. So I don't know. Whatever if they, the last six are, right? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, moving on, uh, Star Trek Discovery still doesn't have an air date. Of course it doesn't. Uh, but they do have Rain Wilson has joined the cast That's, as the iconic, yeah. charismatic Harry Mudd. Yeah, so Dwight from The Office is going to play this Harry Mudd character. Nobody knows who Harry Mudd is unless you're a super Star Trek geek. Yeah. It's a one-off in an episode where he was kind of like a um, an intergalactic criminal and, and whatever. But if you know that episode, I forget what it's called. I feel like it's like My Name is Mudd or something like that. Um, that that's a Rain- Primus song. That's it. But uh, but, <laughs> but uh, Rain Wilson will be a perfect uh, a choice for this. I'm tired of getting all of these like, this is going to happen in Discovery, and this is going to happen in Discovery, and this is going to happen in Discovery. It's like, when is it coming? When but are we going to get tell- this thing? We're not telling you when it's coming. Because yeah. <laughs> we're CBS. Does that make you worry about it at all, though? Yes. Yeah, extremely. It means it's not done yet. <sighs> they're, they're still casting people, and they have no idea what they're doing. Otherwise, it would be in the can, and they'd have an air date. Just that like, scares the shit out of me. Just like Star Wars, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rely on hope. And speaking of Star Wars, uh, it turns out that we have now a full flesh. I guess the 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 Star Wars architect guys. Remember that awesome castle, that like obelisk Washington Monument, but in fire thing that Vader was in and Rogue. Well, they called it a tuning fork, is what they referred to it (laughs) as. Exactly. So his his castle where he lives before he comes out and wipes everybody out in Rogue One. Yep. We only saw like little pieces of it. We saw like his bathroom or whatever, his back to tank, and yeah. and that's it, right? And we it saw the like big, a shower, like but a gym shower. Yeah, but apparently they've gone in and they've they figured out like all the rooms and all this stuff. So maybe at some point, maybe we'll get like a VR headset that we can walk around Vader's castle and be like, "How's it going?" They're like, I don't know. Um, or but, I have another speculation. All right, what do you got? And th- this did not. We agreed this did not warrant the hype train nope. rolling through town. Nope. Uh, we're nope. not going to see it this week. However. I speculate that Kylo Ren might make a visit to Ooh, Mustafar oh. to visit Grandpa's castle. Oh, yeah. Grandpa Vader's castle. Yeah. And, That'd be and cool. see where it gets some inspiration. Maybe he's looking ah. for a way to get to Snoke. Maybe something along those lines. I'm stroking my chin in an evil way over here, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think that... Uh, look, what we know is that it, they, the creative geniuses that created that castle... Went to great lengths to draw out all of the hallways and the caverns and 
If you go, hmm, you wouldn't do why it. Why would they yeah, do you that? You wouldn't do it unless there was a reason. Yeah. Whether it's for a movie or for a video game, right? I think we're going to go back there in episode eight. And as you know, we're all going to go back to more Disney animated stuff and turn them into real life movies. I and, can't imagine why. Well, it's working like crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. The notables are uh, Mulan. Uh, it's going to be up in next year, right? Yeah, the uh, first one that come that's on the list that has a date of sorts is uh, Mulan in 2018. Uh, and it's directed by Nikki Caro, who did a film in 2002 that got rave reviews and won a bunch of indie awards called Whale Rider. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yep. Uh, next up on the list was Aladdin. Yeah. Which I'm excited about. It's going to be a Guy Ritchie, Courtney Gangster movie. For real? Starring Jason Statham. So does that mean Vinnie Jones is going to play Jafar? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> He's doing Aladdin. So I, okay, Guy Ritchie directing Aladdin. Uh, we'll see. Who's Jason Statham? He's not playing Aladdin. I have no idea. The uh, the genie? I don't. No, I mean, like, how do you? Uh, that's the other thing. That that movie uh, lives and dies by whoever they cast as genie. Right. The, I mean, the Robin Williams as the genie is timeless. Yes. Uh, I don't know how they're going to top that. We've already talked about the Lion King one. We knew about that. Little Mermaid, yes. right? Uh, Sophia Coppola was originally attached to it. She dropped out. Too bad. She's a great director. And uh, Glowy Grace Moretz, or Grace Moretz, uh, the girl from uh, Kick-Ass, right? And uh, the Carrie remake. Yeah. Yep. She's, uh, is she she was going to play, out? allegedly going to play Ariel. Oh, and then uh, she, now she's dropped out. So that oh. one's stumbling a little bit. I think that one stands to make the most money long term, honestly. Who would you cast as Ariel right now? Jessica Rabbit. No. That's, <laughs> um, I'm immediately drawn to redheads because of the red hair of Ariel. Uh, I'm thinking like a Chastain. Yeah. But I need to go. You it know, needs to be younger. I just I just thought of this. I just posed this to you as I was thinking about it. You know who I think would be a great Ariel, what? but they'll never do it? Katy Perry. I think she'd be yeah. a really good Ariel. She's got the big blue eyes, and like uh, I just feel like it, it, that would work. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Who we'll knows? see. I don't know what her acting chops are, but uh, <laughs> but she could definitely play like you know she can definitely wear costumes. Yeah, we know absolutely. She can, we know she can dance with fish. Remember that big shark thing at the Super left Bowl? shark. Yeah. <laughs> maybe left shark makes a cameo in the Little Mermaid live action remake. Should, it should. I, I see. <laughs> uh, the other thing to, th- to take away on Little Mermaid is that uh, while there are new songs that are being composed for it, yeah, uh, allegedly by the same guys that did the songs for La La Land. Why? Why you got uh, Alan Menken? Why would you do? Uh, okay, I have, I have no idea. Well, okay. he's working with Alan Menken, but at the same time, there's the guy that's uh, that did those songs. Uh, they are going to do all of the originals, so Under the Sea mm-hmm. and uh, Poor Part of Your World. Yeah, yeah. Yep. not Part of Your World. The Cruella song, or the uh, the the Evil Woman song. Yeah, I forget what it is. I don't yeah. remember. The, listeners, you know which one we're referring to. It'll come to me in a moment. It's one of the famous karaoke songs that Disney girls the poor get up there and sing. That so one, poor unfortunate souls. So that one, yes. yeah, yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of the slate on the Disney remakes. Beauty and the Beast is absolutely killing it. Has it crossed a billion yet? It should have by now, probably worldwide. Yeah, worldwide has probably crossed a billion. So look, these aren't going anywhere anytime soon. If anything, there's at least 15, if not 19 of them on the slate for the next few years. So Yay. strap in, folks. Yep. Uh, another big thing that happened in the last couple of weeks was CinemaCon. Now, I had never heard of CinemaCon before. It used to be called something else. I forget what it was called. Like Show West, I think it was called. Yes, and it was put together by the other NATO. <laughs> okay. Not to be confused with the uh, North American Treaty Organization, but right. the uh, n- uh, National Association of Theater Owners yes. right, have, uh, have taken over the reins of uh, Show West 
and rebranded from the studios and rebranded it as CinemaCon. I like that name better. Yeah, I do too. And it gives them the folk. It allows them to focus the discussion, the talking points, the the hot topics of what the show is going to be about, etc. Because it is really about the theaters and uh-huh. the exposition of film uh, and what they do in those theaters. So, while the studios trotted out their usual lineup of stars to promote all of the films that were coming and get all the theaters excited and, hey, here's what we got coming, um, there was a very palpable stagnation of butts in seats and a lot of the things that we've been talking about around the decline of theater goers. So, not butts in seats at the actual convention, but butts in seats in movie theaters. In movie theaters, okay. right. It was, it, was a, it was a recurring theme, you could say, right? All right. And, of course, a lot of the studio heads and their executives got up there and were like, yeah, revenues are up, money's great, ticket sales are through the roof, blah, 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 you guys are seeing great money returns from concessions, all that stuff. And the only guy that got up there and called it like it was, uh, allegedly, was uh, a Disney executive. I think he's SVP of theater distribution or something like that. Okay. Uh, And basically what he had to say was, yes, you guys are exactly right, the revenue dollar number is up. However... Quantity of tickets sold is on the decline. So while the numbers are great, the ticket prices have gone up. Yes. And while those numbers look great when you do your big press release, it's made this a billion dollars worldwide. It's because your Beauty and the Beast ticket cost you $17. Instead of six. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's... That had a lot of repercussions, and you know, it turned into those being the keynote speeches leading more into the trade show floor uh exposing a lot of new things that theaters were going to try and get into. So they're going to try and turn them into, instead of film and popcorn, it's going to be more like entertainment destinations, kind of like a Jillian's, right? There's going to be or, more Dave, new, or Dave and Buster's. Or Dave and Buster's, yeah. So you're going to go in, and there's, there, there's a lot of talk about VR. So IMAX is coming out with like a VR backpack where you'll be able to walk around with this headset and backpack on and live in the movie. Okay. And, and I, you know, I'm in. It sounds like laser tag for movies kind of thing, you know? Uh, that's that's what I'm thinking that's going to be, but who knows where all that's going to go? But are we going to see a transition of traditional theaters go to more you know entertainment destinations? Yeah, we've talked about that and like what the future of the movie theater industry is and and whatever. But we will know this that there's one thing that the movie in, uh, theater industry will always have, and that's trailers. And we got a couple of big ones that that dropped this week. Uh, in the second one, we're going to talk about maybe dropped a week ago, but the big one this week was a new trailer. For the mummy, and yes. not the Brendan Fraser mummy. And in my head, I still have that like in my head. Right? We watched it again tonight, just before we recorded the show. The Tom Cruise mummy movie. We had talked about like, oh, Russell Crowe might be in, and he's going to play Doctor Jekyll. He's in this trailer. Yes, and it looks a lot darker than I expected this movie to be. It Big looks time. really kind of like creepy and like very supernatural, but also very action packed. And it's got Tom Cruise running. And why wouldn't it? Of course. It? I, I paid $12 his, just yeah. to go see it. That's all you had to tell me is Tom Cruise runs in it and he does all his own stunts. Yeah. I'm in. Sold. Uh, yeah, totally. So we're going down to this horror kind of dark yeah. universal movie monsters. Good. They're coming. I'm so excited about Good this. For it. Yeah. And I told you earlier, I'm secretly, I think this might be the. Alien Covenant aside, I think this might be the film of the year for me that I'm most excited about seeing. Episode 8. That's hard to argue with. Fine, okay. Yeah. (laughs) The other trailer we saw was Valerian. Oh. Now, (laughs) as goofy, campy, uh, you know, Gen Y millennial kind of movie feel that this has to it with some new, young, up-and-coming actors and actresses, this feels like a sci-fi movie. 
And I, I think this is really what we've been hungering for. Yes. You made the comment earlier that if if they made a Mass Effect movie, this is what it would feel like. And look like. I yes. couldn't agree with that more. Aliens, There's- planets, ships, big world, big crazy stuff, stuff you've never seen before. And the color of this movie just jumps out of the screen. And it makes me wonder, why don't the Justice League movies say like, <laughs> hey, Valerian, good idea. We should do that. Tax Snyder. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had a little cough there. Uh, well, speaking of you know adaptations and things of that nature, a Ghost in the Shell is not doing well. No, it, it is not. Uh, it's I, only I, gotten like nineteen million. I think was yeah, the number I saw. I would have I would have seen it this week. Event, you know, but again, the spring break thing. I'm going to go see it next week just as a fan of the anime. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. What are they saying? They're saying it's because the whole whitewashing thing is why people aren't going to go see the movie. I think that's just a, a quick, easy thing to blame. Uh, well, I don't know. I think they've been pressing that for a while now. Uh, since we found out that ScarJo was going to be the lead, was going to be major. ScarJo. Really? Is that a thing? Scar- yeah. Okay. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, so ScarJo said was going to, we found out she's, oh, it's, it's another Asian adaptation, but they're casting a, a white chick in it. The funny thing about this is, is that the more I read about this, the more I discover that it's the U.S. press and the media that is labeling all of this whitewashing. But somebody called it out in a video where they were in Japan they showed the trailer to a lot of people in Tokyo, and basically they didn't give a shit. Of course they didn't. They they said if it promotes more anime and more films of these types, then we're all for it. Sure. And it's great to have an A-list talent on board because that's just going to behoove the success of it. So the interesting thing that I take away here is that we talked a few early reviews uh, a couple weeks ago. That's kind of the same thing here. You're getting a lot of this early press that's just – imprinting their opinion of something yep. right, wrong, or indifferent on yep. you. So then people don't go see it. Yeah. That was the whole point of what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. I, I can't wait to go see this. I'm really looking forward to it. I was a big fan of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't so, think there's I think, it's anything, one of, I think it's one of the best animes ever. It, it, easily. And it's and I'm know, excited to see what they do to translate it to live action, just absolutely. to see what it is, G- good or bad. I just want to see what they do. And, and you know, I like Scarlett Johansson okay. in, in tights walking around. So it, anyway, it's win win, you know, across the board. So I I don't I think this has a lot to do with the same stuff that we were talking about with the early reviews. You are literally affecting a box office when you say stuff like that, and you're turning people away from going to see a film that they likely would have gone to see had you not made those comments. I just think it's it's released in a weird time. I don't think they marketed it well enough to figure out what it is. You can't just market it in as as Scarlett Johansson in like a basically a spandex suit um, and and hope that people are going to go see it with some cool imagery. Um, although we just said that we want to go see Valerian because of cool imagery, but we saw some character elements there. We saw some stuff that we wanted to go see. Um, speaking of things we want to go see, you and I are both huge James Bond fans. And we have been talking over the last couple of shows, probably the last couple of months, mm-hmm. of like, who's going to be the next Bond? Who's going to be the next Bond? Andrew Selva, Hiddleston, yeah, and Tom yeah, Hardy. Yeah, because we want to see Tom Hardy. And it uh, looks like Daniel Craig is done. Well, apparently he's not, because <laughs> Barbara Broccoli is apparently trying to woo him to do Bond film number 25. And she said, according to articles, that she doesn't like Hiddleston <laughs> because he's too smug and not tough enough. Now, remember, was it a week ago or two weeks ago that I saw Kong? And I saw it, and I said, you know what? Hiddleston would make a really good Bond. Apparently, I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. But they apparently know what what the good Bond is going to be. So 
Do I want to see Daniel Craig in another Bond movie? Sure, that'd be great, but I'd, I'd like to see a, a new guy do it. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Uh, me too. And the funny thing about this is that it, when I read that, Barbara Broccoli had said that, I was instantly reminded of the transition from Timothy Dalton, oh, who was more of a bruiser, dark, yeah. dark um, kind of Daniel Craig-esque sort of character yeah. to the more suave, smug, pun-dropping yeah. Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan I, will argue, I will argue to this day that Brosnan is probably the second best Bond Brosnan. behind Connery. Connery's, Connery's the one. But I mean, like Brosnan. <laughs> but they wanted, apparently, remember, they wanted to get Brosnan when Dalton did it. Yeah. But he was like tied up in like the Remington Steels or whatever, and they'd always wanted Brosnan. When he did it, he killed it. Granted, he had a couple of bad movies that weren't his fault. But Goldeneye and and tomorrow is not enough. Man, that was good. So I don't know what the what the what the story of the next Bond movie is going to be. I know they have the same writers, uh, Neil Purvis and whatever his name is. Um, so okay, make another one. Make it quick before Daniel Craig changes his mind again. Right. Yeah. It, it's it. I think it's written. I think they've got a at least it a, is written. A, it is written. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a proposed script already. So uh, look, I'm fine with it. It's it's not that big a deal. Just give me more Bond movies. Stop stop dicking around with who's going to be Bond. Just make Bond movies. We 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 don't really care at the end of the day. So here's something we do care about, and that's NFL football. Yes, we oh, don't yeah. talk about sports a lot on this show, but when we do, there's a reason we do. Here's the thing: um, Amazon landed a fifty million dollar deal this week to stream Thursday night NFL games. Now that doesn't mean okay. The Thursday night NFL games, there's there's too many football games on each week. We yeah. talked about that on some other shows. The Thursday night game is on the NFL Network if you have DirecTV, cable, whatever. But if you wanted to stream that game, you now get to stream it on Amazon. This is a big deal because I believe this is the first of the media or the or the tech guys, the Apples, the Amazons, the YouTubes. These are the first guys that are really getting into sports streaming. We did talk about Facebook getting into an MLB game, right? I don't know if that started yet now with the season opening. I don't think so, no. But, but – yeah, this is official. So if you're in your car and you want to be able to somehow watch the game, uh, not in your car, you shouldn't watch and drive. Let's say you're at work and you want to be able to stream the game on your tablet. You can't do it on CBS. You're doing it on Amazon now. It's well, a big deal. Two things. One, it's exclusive to Prime subscribers. Okay. Right? So you're. it's an add-on that you're not paying anything extra for because you're already a Prime member, yep. which we both are. So if you have Prime, this isn't going to cost you anything extra to watch. Secondly, the interesting part here to me is the $50 million price tag. So last year, Twitter did the... and It wasn't all 10 Thursday night games, if I remember correctly. It was only a handful of them. Oh, okay. I didn't even remember they did that. But okay. they only paid $10 million. Oh. So what ended up happening here was there was a huge bidding war that happened between Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Amazon to get the rights to these Thursday night games. And Amazon won. Jeff Bezos wrote a $50 million check because of the potential advertising, yeah. I'm assuming, that you can get out of it. <laughs> Dropping drop the bucket for him. Sure. And it, well, just it's one rocket launch you won't be able to do. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I can see a ton of people that don't have cable pay the $179 a year, $100 a year uh, prime fee just to be able to watch games and they're going to get free shipping and they're going to get big discounts on stuff and a free access to all the amazon shows and yeah it's it's a no-brainer it really is a no-brainer if you're not an amazon prime subscriber you should be this is just yet another reason to be an amazon prime subscriber hey there's another person back in film history that almost didn't have a brain because her head was going to get cut off originally do you know what i'm talking about she's tattooed on my arm and is my favorite heroine of all time name yes. of your dog 
The name of my dog, absolutely. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, a.k.a. Ripley. Um, Look, in an interview this week, Ridley Scott came out uh, in in promoting the Alien Covenant movie. Somebody asked him, uh, did Alien wrap up the way you wanted it to? And he said, no. And he said his his original ending was the fight in the kind of, uh, what do they call that? The the driving chamber of the ship, right? Uh, Where basically Ripley harpoons Mm -hmm. the Zeno against a wall. Yep. But then the, she goes in to kill it, and the Zeno comes out and just rips her head off. Cut to black, end of movie. Zeno survives. Somehow the ship takes off. Anyway, the idea was that they were gonna, he was going to kill off Ripley at the, at the, in the first Alien movie. And the studios went, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. You can't kill off a heroine like that. Uh, they they yeah. didn't even think about the sequels, I think, at that point. But uh, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Um, she needs to kill the Xenomorph, yeah, because yeah. there needs to be a happy ending. James Cameron's like, oh, God, thank God you didn't do that yeah. <laughs> because I made one of the greatest uh, Aliens movies, um, Aliens. And, uh, you know, the, the the thing about that movie, Aliens, that, that Cameron did uh, with the Ripley character made her uh, so strong of a female character. Yes. She was nominated for Academy Award, I believe, for that movie. Um, but the director's cut of that movie is one of the big things that actually furthers the story. It's one of the only director's cuts where you like you see a scene and you're like, wow, I wish that scene would have been in it. Where you see her like find out about her daughter dying and and what that does as far as the um her her gravitation towards the newt character and like yes. the motherly thing, the redemption. That movie has all kinds of themes of redemption. Um but that I guess is what's going to get us into what we're calling our bigger discussion tonight. And uh so this week, uh Justice League, which we've kind of bashed a little bit in this show already um, there is a story or uh, a report that the new Justice League movie coming out in November, just before Thanksgiving, will have a runtime of 170 minutes. Now, quick math, that's two hours and 50 minutes for yes. a Justice League movie. What do you think of that? Don't care. You don't care that it's that long? Don't care. Well, does that worry you? Now, granted, we're we're again we're it worries me only because it's Zack Snyder and his imagination will get the best of him and he'll run off onto these side capers and stuff like the Batman sequence of with the flying bugs and the crazy guys in the gas mask and whatever the hell that was. Sure, that we're probably never going to find out what the hell that was. Yes, we will. Fine. My point is is that it, I like being in a universe. If I like being in a world that you're taking me to, think Avatar. Think uh, any of those really big, long, successful films like that. Yeah, Lord of the Rings comes to mind. Um, I- I'm okay. I-, I don't think that... I guess I'll say this to preface the conversation. I don't think people should be quick to judge a film simply based on how long it's going to be. You have no idea, other than what's been shown in the trailer, what the story's going to be about, because they really haven't revealed that. Um, it, all they've done is kind of a little expose of each of the characters that are going to be in the film. Yes, but this week, and again, coming off the heels of last episode where we have read things from reviewers or internet sure. people that have said, uh, it's 170 minutes long. That seems too long. So already the negative buzz is out that says, why would this movie be 170 minutes? So I guess what the bigger discussion for us is... Tonight, we want to talk about runtime, runtime for movies, and why does that matter? Does it matter to you? Does it matter to me? No. Is it going to affect whether or not you, you just said it doesn't matter to you whether or not you're going to see a movie? Uh, I, don't, I don't think to myself like, uh, oh, hey, Doctor Strange is out, and then I go look at the, the, uh, the showtime, and then I see that the total runtime is 170 minutes. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go see that. Oh, I'm, I can't possibly yeah. sit there for two and a half hours. Yeah, or two I, I, hours couldn't, and 50 I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. 
That, but, I, but I can if it's something I want to go see. So that should have no effect on what you go see. But I guess what we want to get at is... Well, let's, let's talk about the reasons why 170 it minutes it. is long for a movie. Absolutely. It is. It is. There are there are certain movies over time that have been three hours long or pushing three hours that have either been successes or failures. But most of them have been successes, right? So uh, let me think of a couple off the top of my head. Uh, Braveheart, three-hour movie. Uh, Dances with Wolves, three-hour movie. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia, three-hour movie. Avatar, three-hour movie. Uh, Dark Knight Rises was really long. Uh, both Avengers movies were two and a half hours, right? Titanic 315 was one of the big ones, yeah, right? Yeah, we'll talk about that one in a minute, but let's. there's, there's two sides of this. We're worried about it being uh, long from why. Well, what are some valid reasons why the runtime would be a concern? Let's talk about this from the, the moviegoer movie perspective and the theater perspective. From the theatergoer perspective, it's simple. If you have a three-hour movie, you show less shows per day. As a theater, as a theater, yes, because your movie theater is open from this time to this time. Right. If you have a two-hour movie, you can get a couple more in. If you do six three-hour movies, you lose the time to show two more two-hour movies. Right. right? So it's more tickets, more concessions, or, uh, more tickets sold for a shorter movie. Sure, and it's sure, a simple sure. thing. And the, and and having been a former worker in the theater industry, it's it's a simple thing of like, okay, there's the morning shows that nobody really goes to, but the big target time is seven and nine. Yep. You get off work at five, you go to your movie at seven, or you go to your movie at nine, depending on when you had dinner, and then you come home, and then you go to bed, right? But if you go to a nine o'clock movie, and it's three hours long, now you're out of the theater at 12, you're home at one in the morning, and you got to get your kids to softball practice at eight in the morning, that's pretty tough pill to swallow. Well, let's go back and look at where does this kind of two-hour template standard thing come from, and why are we so shocked all of a sudden that uh, all of a sudden movies are running to two and a half and beyond. Why, why is this all of a sudden a thing? Because after the Lord of the Rings movies, especially the extended editions, I mean, cumulatively, those three movies were 13 hours long on the extended editions. Uh, and even the theatricals were three hours apiece. So why all of a sudden with Justice League is it a big deal that it's two hours and 50 minutes? I think, it's, I think it's, the, I think it's the, the history of that sort of franchise that, that we're dealing with, but sure. we're talking more about the long, uh, the idea of the long movie. So, but where did the standard of the 120 minute the, movie come the from? The standard, it, it's just always been kind of a two hour thing. It's just the way it's always been. So typically a comedy runs 90 minutes and a, and a, and a two hour movie runs two hours, but it's all based on the screenplay. So when you write a screenplay for a movie, it's 90 pages for a comedy, maybe a hundred pages for a comedy. When you write a screenplay for uh, a movie, it's typically supposed to be about 120, 125 pages. Typically it's about a minute of screen time per page, right? Sure. And those movie gets sold based on a script. So if you write a 180 or 190 page script, many people probably aren't going to get all the way through that unless you've got an established property like a Lord of the Rings, a Star Wars, a this, a Justice League. And people are like, oh, whatever, just you know, whatever. But if you turn in new intellectual property and it's 180 uh, pages, people are like, mm. yeah, so maybe that movie doesn't even get made. And, it, and it's the whole domino effect of. If the theaters can show it and blah, 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 blah. But when it's, so you're, what you're saying is when it's Zack Snyder dealing with Jeff Johns talking about a DC movie, it's probably par for the course. Right. Uh, if anything. A lot of people were burned by the, the BVS thing. You, you sure. said, and I've said, even the theatrical cut, take that out of it. The, the actual cut of it itself probably could have been uh, two hours, maybe, but I think yeah. it was like two and a half. Yep. I've seen that there was a 96 minute version that somebody <laughs> okay. cut that took a bunch of, like, trimmed a lot of the fat out, and, and maybe that would have been fine. Um, but I don't think it's 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 that people can't stomach sitting down and watching a movie like that for that long. 
is it is it something we're trained? Is it like our brain can only focus on stuff for like a two hour block or a three hour block or whatever it would be? I, well, I don't know. What do maybe. You think? Well, here's what I actually like about it. Uh, this is what I want. This is kind of a point I wanted to get across. So as ticket prices have skyrocketed over the oh. last what twenty years, mm-hmm. going from six dollars to base price of like twelve or seventeen, depending on where you are and what time you're going. Sure, you know you can get into some of these AMC movies here in LA in prime time, IMAX and 3D upgrades, and before you know it, your ticket's twenty six dollars. Yeah, right. But if I'm paying that much money for a ticket, I'm kind of okay with getting more bang for my buck. Okay. Yeah, uh, good point. Being in the, if it's going to take three hours to run, I don't want to pay that much money for a 90-minute quick in and out kind of movie. Sure. Uh, but if you're going to tell me a three-hour epic story, something that is as long as one of the Lord of the Rings movies, but it's on comic book characters, okay, I'm yeah. going to go see that because that feels like that's worth that ticket price. But are you going to go see the three-hour English Patient? Wasn't that movie three hours or close to it? I wasn't like old enough to give a shit about that okay. movie. But, I mean, but that was a thing. Yeah, you know? it was. And some people are into that. Some yeah. people are, well, it's an Oscar movie. It's got three hours. It's a long thing. Okay, I was, great. I never saw a Titanic in the movie theater. What? I was one of those people. I was a teenager. You I didn't give like, a shit. That was the target market. You tell me you didn't see Titanic? You didn't take a no, girl to go I, see Titanic? I was in college trying to hit on what, pick up girls. And that would have been a perfect one. You would have picked up a bunch of girls from yeah. that. Well, no, they'd all come out crying, and that's not what I wanted to do. So anyway, uh, no, I, I like the idea of getting more for my money. If I'm going to go in and spend that amount of money to see a film, I want it to be a big temp pole, lots of VFX, lots of explosions and action, and a big epic story wrapped around a bunch of different ensemble of characters. I guess the more that I think about this as we talk about it, this is all about the theater industry and the money that, it, that they will get from it. Because it's not that people can't sit and consume an, uh, uh, a movie or a show or whatever. Sure. We, we have a show like Daredevil, right? That's essentially a 10-hour movie. We have Game of Thrones. That's a 10-hour movie. Yes, you have to wait a week, a week, a week, a week. Yeah. But many people with the, with the ability to binge watch now, anybody can sit down and watch a 10-hour season of Daredevil, and that's one long movie. I watched so you seven hours of Halt and Catch Fire the other night. You know, just- exactly. And that costs you $7.99 a month. A month. <laughs> yeah. But not $15 to go. I don't know. Maybe this is all. Maybe this is all again. Like we've said, but I get from, your point absolutely. Though, and I think you make a valid one. Is that I? I don't think it's people's tolerance for length. No, and and I don't think they use that as a limiting factor. I think you hit the nail on the head that it comes down to the theaters not being willing to sacrifice that money that they stand to make with a two-hour film, sacrificing that for a three-hour film in less time slots, like you were outlining before. I think that's where it's coming from. And that's not just the theaters. That's the studios making things and distributing the theaters. It's all like a, it's a big machine, right? So, and that's maybe why we're getting a lot of these large prestige format type TV shows now. These people have these great long stories that they want to tell, and I'm not going to compare Justice League to Game of Thrones right. by any at any point, right. but I'm saying that that they're, they're, like you said, these are universes that people want to live in, yes, right. And we would watch well, essentially Game of Thrones. This is going to be an 80 or 90 hour movie from start to finish when it's all said and done. Oh, you I can can't never wait to go watch see it. that in a theater. Um, <laughs> they could do a, a Justice League show and make it super long if they wanted to. Lord of the Rings, while it was a long thing, could have been a long HBO you know series sure. or, or, a, or an AMC series or a Netflix series. I mean, that's coming. Walking Dead is so, in their, what, eighth season so now? The runtime for something, to me right now, only matters when you're talking about seeing a movie in a movie theater or mm. seeing, and it's not even seeing a movie right now, dude. It is seeing a story told from start to finish. Act one, act two, act three, done. Yeah. Right? Now, there's one thing that we need to bring up. Yep. There is one movie that is maybe arguably one of the most successful movies of all time, Titanic. Yes. Right? 
Titanic, which you never saw in a theater, but you've seen it before. That movie was a three-hour movie. At the time, 1997, was that 20 years ago? When a three-hour movie had came out at Christmas... Like the the math of that doesn't make sense. It's not it was like three gonna, hours and fifteen minutes. It was right. Long. But you're not going to see a movie where you know where you know, uh, that movie isn't sold on the fact that the boat goes down. Everybody that went and saw that movie for the first time knows at the end of that movie the Titanic is going to sink. That yes. is, it's not like the Titanic wins at the end of this movie in the J- James Cameron version. No, people went and saw that because of the good story around that major disaster of the of DiCaprio and Kate Winslet's character, Jack and Rose. That was the story. It's a and I don't remember story. any conversation about the length of the film no. ever happening. However, I will tell you when that movie came to VHS because they <laughs> oh, didn't have the DVD. Two, two it, was a, it was a two tape thing. That was would, one of the first two I tape only, ones I remember. I would only watch tape two because that was when all the cool stuff yes. happened. <laughs> Titanic went down, right? You didn't care about any of the uh, Kathy Bates stuff and all that stuff at the beginning and you yeah. know, all that, right? If it's something that you want to go see, if it's a universe you want to live in, which is an established universe like Justice League, like we just talked about, yeah. or if it's Dances with Wolves, you don't even know what that story is, you want to go live in the West for three hours, doesn't matter. Go see it in the theater, doesn't matter how long it's going to be, and just go see it. It's as simple as that. But it all comes down to, no matter what happens, the story has to be good. All right, now, fun stuff. I don't have a big, like, crazy story about, like, tacos getting thrown at, like, a burrito or, like, a burrito fighting, like, a White Castle. I don't have any of that stuff. <laughs> okay. So all I have is simply this. There was a big thing that happened on Sunday night. It's a big thing for me. It's a big thing for you, especially for me, as the Cubs go to defend their world championship title. Baseball opening day happened. This is the right mm-hmm. of spring. This is the beginning of spring. This is a new thing. Here is our lightning round. The lightning round for tonight. Are you ready? There are 30 Major League Baseball teams. Name as many as you can. Go. New York Yankees, New York Mets, Boston Red Sox, Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, Detroit Tigers, Cincinnati Reds, Cleveland Indians, Atlanta Braves, Miami Marlins, Tampa Bay. No, they're not there anymore. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, Devil Rays. Tampa yeah. Bay Rays. Um, go to California. Go to California. Uh, yes, the A- Anaheim Angels. Yeah, I guess they're called or Los, Los Angeles, Angeles Angels. Angels yep. Whatever they're yeah, called yep. now. The Los Angeles Dodgers. Yep. The San Diego Padres. Yep. San Francisco 49ers. Nope, that's a football team. San Francisco uh, Giants. Uh, Giants. San Francisco yep. Giants. Sorry. One more. One more in California. Um, Oakland A's. Seattle Mariners. Oakland A's. Oakland A's. Yep, Seattle Mariners. Okay. How many is that? There's some in Texas. Oh, that's right. Uh, uh, You're wearing the hat, I'm dude. Wearing the, You're wearing the hat. I can't believe I missed these. Uh, Texas Rangers, yep. Houston Astros. Yep. Uh, oh, God, I'm drawing a blank. You're pretty good right now. You're at 19 of 30. That's pretty good. Uh, did you say Cleveland Indians? You did, I St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals, yep. Uh, I did say Cleveland Indians. Yep. Colorado Rockies. That's uh, a good who one. else is there? You said the Braves. Uh, who else? Um Houston, I think we're at like 20. That's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. That was the lightning round. I can't remember some of the other ones. <laughs> but that was really good. Ah, thank you. Yeah, it's tough to I remember. It's t- it's I, I know we have, but it's tough to like when you just say like name all the teams. Like right now, it's like, yeah, ugh. It, it that's did. why, that's why and, I didn't tell and you. And for the record, guys, full disclosure, I had no idea what he was going to ask me yeah, for the lightning it round. it made it so good, right? That's, that's awesome. Okay, so that's it for this week's show. Um, go see your favorite movie no matter how long it is. And enjoy it or don't enjoy it. But either way, uh, come back next week and we'll talk about something else fun. Uh, I am Andy Nelson. You can find me on Twitter at AndyNelson76. And again, please leave us reviews. Let us know what you think. Send us an email. We want to talk about this show on the show. We want to hear from you and read it. I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. That's going to do it for us this week, guys. We will see you next week. Later. Bye. 
This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.